One of the things I uh, pray for, especially before I teach, and I think a lot more about it in, in times, uh, maybe when I'm teaching or studying with someone else, is that I'll always rightly divide the truth, you know, and make sure that I am getting out of a passage what I should be getting out of it, and then translating that on, especially in a setting like this, is how do I make sure that, that what I say is the most effective and, and exactly what God wants us to get out of a particular passage. And So if you would this morning, uh, turn to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 14. And some of the things that we'll talk about today, I, I think a, a lot about and, um, and how, to, how do we um, perfectly execute and I say perfectly, I think we'll always get these things perfect, but how do, we, how do I execute these things in the best possible way um, to get the outcome that, that God wants and the outcome um, that I want uh, to come out of those things? First Thessalonians 5 and verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Evan will talk about uh, be this, this idea at the end of verse 14, be patient with all. And what, what exactly does that mean and how, um, how do we uh, do that? Evan will spend uh, the next hour uh, talking about that. So I, I want to spend the time we have together this morning in this hour uh, to talk about the... Uh, first part of that verse, uh, and specifically uh, the warning, the unruly, comforting the faint-hearted, and upholding the weak. And how do, how do we do that? How do we recognize um, where we are? Because to me, this is a very demanding verse that demands a lot out of me. Um, you know, we all know that we have a responsibility of ourselves to, to um, bear our own burdens, but we also... Galatians 6 and verse 2, we'll read later, uh, we have a responsibility to bear one another's burdens uh, and help one another uh, in this life and in this fight to, to get to heaven. That's what we're all here for today is to help one another. Uh, obviously, to, our big reason today is to observe Lord's Supper, but you know, we assemble and uh, God has us uh, together uh, for more than that reason. Uh, this verse requires a lot of my time and effort. Uh, it requires um, just... Not only, not only of me physically, but of me emotionally, and so that um, you know that that is something I think we have to take into account. And so, to me, that's why it's a very demanding verse. And uh, y'all hear Mr. Ori uh, pray as well as I do that he, a lot of times he prays that uh, the Lord would build us up on every leaning side. Um, and we'll we'll hit a verse in Hebrews that I think even speaks uh, exactly to that. That's a very biblical concept to build us up on every leaning side. And I want us to think about that today as a, a responsibility to, to one another. How do we build each other up on every uh, leaning side? Um, and I want to take a break. We'll come back to 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, in verse 14, but I want to start 1 Peter 5 and in verse 8. <clears throat> This first Thessalonians will be the will be our cornerstone for the lesson, but I want to start here and then come back. 
1 Peter 5 and 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. I talked through 1 Peter when I was in college, and this is just one of those verses that is always stuck with me. I don't think about it every day, but I think about it fairly often. You know, what exactly does love covering a multitude of sins, what, what exactly does that mean? And um, it's... I think there's a lot of things that I can immediately say, well, it's not that and it's not that. But what is it? How do we apply that? How, how does that look? Um, turn to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a plaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And so this idea of love covering a multitude of sins, I don't think it's, you know, just because I love you uh, that, you know, it's just all wiped clean or whatever. You know, this idea of I can forgive you just because. I don't think it means that at all. But I, what I think it does mean is you know, if you take... Uh, this passage into account and many others uh, that could form you, you know, that encompass love and our love for one another and that love covering multitude of sins, it means that I'm going to, out of love, do a lot of things for you and that's going to help, help you and I overcome sin. Help us, if I have the proper love for you, um, we're going to have some conversations that we wouldn't otherwise have if I didn't have the love for you that I should, that I am going to try to, when you're being unruly or being, or if you, when you're faint-hearted or when you're weak, my love for you will step in and therefore we can cover some sin. That's what I think that passage is, is talking about, uh, that, that that exchange there between brethren, that proper love uh, will help us overcome a lot of things. Um, and so I, I hope that that makes sense, especially in light of, Colossians 3, uh, in verses 12 through 14, um, <clears throat> this idea of forgiving one another. If we love one another, we will, uh, and we'll bear with one another. There in verse 13, uh, in there, if anyone has a complaint against another, those things will be forgiven of, uh, they'll be addressed, and they'll be, they'll be looked at. Proverbs 27, and in verse 6. Proverbs 27 and in verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Uh, and I think, you know, when I was thinking about this, this passage out of 1 Thessalonians, uh, this passage really came to mind. This, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so there's going to be some, some times when uh, those that love you, it's going to be painful. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard uh, for us to make it through sometimes. But faithful are those wounds. They come from a friend, but they, if, if we are who we are, they'll be received right, they'll hurt, uh, they'll be true things, they'll be out of love, uh, and even though they hurt, they are faithful. And they, we don't want this aspect of a, you know, this idea of the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I think about the, the guy that wants to um, act like everything's okay, and oh, hey man, how's it going, and knowing all the time it's all, you know, things need to be taken care of, and well, they're just not going to be uh, because he's not, he's not your friend. He's your enemy. Uh, and those kisses 
are deceitful. Even though we might get a warm, comfortable feeling from uh, that person, they're not going to help us get to heaven uh, in any way. Um, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, and verse 14 and think about a few more concepts uh, before we dig down into the lesson. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I thought about, you know, there's, there's really two aspects in here. You have warn the unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, and uphold the weak. Well, in all these, I have a responsibility to these three uh, individuals or these three actions or however you want to think about it, but I have warned, comfort, and uphold, so there's a responsibility there for me for these three, th these three uh, attitudes or, or, or people. Um, I'd like for you to think just a second, which one of these are you? Are you the unruly? Are you the faint-hearted? Are you the weak? Think about that for a second. Uh, the more I thought about that, I'm like, I'm all those. At some point in time, I'm, I'm all those people. I am that person. And uh, I think it's we need to be able to see ourselves. Each and every one of us fall under those three categories. Uh, and if you can't see yourself in, in all three of those categories, I think we got further problems because we're all there at some point in time. We all become faint-hearted. The burdens of life, we talked about Moses, and Matt brought that up in our class. You know, Moses is being overwhelmed by the responsibility God laid on him and God provided for him. But he, was, he seemed overwhelmed in that moment. Uh, and, and so I, I, the strongest of God's people get overwhelmed. They get, I think, faint-hearted to some degree. Uh, and I think we're all going to fall into that weak category from, from time to time. That's going to be us, and we're certainly all unruly. I mean, <laughs> we all fall under that category. And so um, that's, that's each and every one of us. And then, then the second aspect that I think about it through this verse is the how do I approach these different situations? Because if I do have that love for my brethren that I should, there's going to be an action required of me when I recognize any of these. And, and how do I respond in that? Uh, and how do I uh, try to do what's best for my brethren, uh, even though I'm going to mess it up? I'm not going to get this right. And, uh, but I want to try to get it right. And I think each and every one of us here want to get this right. We want, uh, and I think this group of, of Lord's people, you know, has a desire to help one another get to heaven. And, and how, do we, how do we truly do this and, and have... Uh, and come across the best way and have our brethren's best interest in mind uh, in doing that. And we touched on this a minute ago, you know, this idea of, of God uh, putting us together like this, you know, in an, an assembly of His people. He could have designed it any way He wanted. He could have just, somebody teaches you and you just go about living your day and you take the Lord's Supper at home and, you know, you just study your Bible at home and pray to me and, he could have designed it that way if you think about it. You know, it, he didn't have to assemble us in local congregations and, and really encourage us to come together and be with one another and encourage one another. Um, but he did. And think about why did he do that. And I think this verse tells us to some degree why. Because we all need that person to come to us warning us or comforting us or upholding us. We all need that from time to time. And we need to recognize that about ourselves and be open to that uh, for, for someone to come before us. And, you know, maybe they do have it wrong, but, hey, they're just trying to help. They're trying to be there for you, and you're trying to be there for me. Uh, and so those are kind of the, the, the aspects of, of this that I want us to think about this morning and try to um, 
gain from it. Look back there at the beginning of verse 14. Now we exhort you. Um, if you look at this word exhort, uh, I believe it's uh, Strong's defines it as send for, summon, invite, admonish, comfort, encourage, console. And so if you think about all those, that definition, you know, that's a, it's something that we have to be uh, encouraged to do. It's something that um, I think Paul recognizes here that it's not just, he doesn't just start in saying, hey, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak. He says, I exhort you. I'm encouraging you to do this. And I think the reason why is because he realizes this is going to be hard. <laughs> this is not an easy verse to do. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. Uh, it's, it's just something... You know, we talked about earlier, it requires my time and my effort. It's something that, um, at least for me, I don't, I don't enjoy this, this aspect of it, but I, I do recognize it is something that I should do, and it's something that's beneficial for us all. Um, and if you look at how this word exhort is translated, not defined, but translated, uh, depending on uh, what translation you have, it might be beseech or urge or encourage or appeal or implore. And so Paul is imploring us here, uh, appealing to us to practice the rest of this verse. That's how he's approaching this subject. He's appealing us to do it. He's urging us. He's encouraging us. Uh, and he's imploring uh, with us. And so, you know, here again, I think it's something Paul recognizes is not going to be easy. So if you look at this, warn those who are unruly. Um, <clears throat> this warn here is also could be admonish or give instruction to. Uh, so it's something that um, is going to require some knowledge on our part. Uh, and if you flip over to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 3, Ezekiel chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 16. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to, to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will acquire at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wicked wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered, but his blood I will acquire at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the, that the, righteousness, that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. And... To me, this, is, this seems to be the Old Testament version of 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14. You know, he's telling Ezekiel, your job is to warn uh, those who are righteous and those who are unrighteous of what's going to befall them if they don't obey me. And so his, his, um, his instruction here is to warn. Um, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning. So his, his responsibility is to warn. And... I think especially there in verse 20, again, when a righteous man turns from righteousness and commits iniquity, we have to be able to recognize that with one another. When, when one of us has, has gone uh, away from being righteous 
and has allowed sin in their life, we have to be able to recognize that. And guess what? If we don't say anything, God's going to require that soul on our soul. You know, He's requiring that man's blood. His, his blood is on my hands at that point. He's requiring that of me. And so it is. God takes this serious. It's not He wants us to recognize this and help one another because He sees we need help. We need help from one another. And we're all going to fall under this you know, unruly category uh, at some point in time, uh, and we need uh, each other to step in. Uh, but the thing I want us to see here is that if we don't do our part, God's watching, and God knows when we recognize something and we just let it slide. We don't do anything. God knows that. And He's going to acquire that man's blood on our hands uh, because we didn't do our part. We didn't do our part to warn, to say, hey, you ought not do that. Um, you ought not be participating in that. You ought not uh, be doing whatever it is that you're doing that is sin. You shouldn't be doing that. And that's, that's my responsibility and your responsibility to recognize that and act, to do something, to step in and try to help save that soul. Um, Let's look over at 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is uh, in the context of um, Saul supposed to go destroy the Amalekites. Um, and he spares the king and he, he brings the oxen. And um, Samuel says there in verse, chapter 15, verse 14, um, Verse 13, And Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And we all know he hadn't. Uh, he knew he hadn't. Um, Samuel said in verse 14, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Um, you know, and then we know, or at least we, uh, we're familiar with the story. You know, he, he, Saul has brought back uh, the king Agag, and then he kept back the best and he claimed it was uh, for sacrificing to the Lord. Look at verse 22. So Samuel said, As the Lord is great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And there's a lot of passages uh, could have turned to in, in trying to figure out, all right, who is the unruly? Uh, but I thought about this passage, and um, to me it covers a lot of aspects of it. You know, unruly doesn't necessarily have to mean uh, I'm out, you know, just blatantly, um, you know, getting drunk or sleeping around or whatever it may be. You see here that Saul kind of kind of obeyed, you know. And what does God say, or what does Samuel tell him? You've rejected the word of the Lord. And he says, <coughs> Ooh, I thought I was going to sneeze. Um, he says in verse 23, his, he's rebellion and stubborn. And so this act, even though he's somewhat obeyed, is God defines as rebellion, um, or stubbornness and rebellion. And so when, when I think of, here again, who is the unruly? All of us are going to do this. And uh, we need to be able to recognize uh, what, what God defines as rejecting Him and what God defines as the unruly. Um, and it's, I think it's maybe, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think our tendency uh, can be 
to where it has to be really bad before I'm going to step in and really say anything to my brother. It has to be just blatant before I'll step across that aisle and say something. What I think, uh, if we really are honest with ourselves, that's not what guys, that's not what uh, Paul's talking about here. He's just talking about sin. When all we know our brother's in sin, whatever sin that may be, however small that may be, it's gonna, it's a sin, and that separates him from from our God. And we want to help him get to heaven, and we need to step across the aisle and say something. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, and I think that's what Samuel's saying is telling us here. These small things, what what Saul maybe saw is is small things. You know, he's just keeping the best for sacrifice or whatever. He he's justified in his own mind. It's rebellion and stubbornness is what it is before God. And so, um, let's not wait till it gets so bad that we you know it's just way out there uh, before we step in. Because likely, uh, at least from my own experience, um, usually I want to wait till it gets so bad that that person. Sometimes it's too far to come back sometimes. And if I would have stepped in and done something earlier, uh, at least maybe we could have stopped something and, and turned some actions around uh, that would have made a difference earlier on. Um, let's turn uh, back to First Thessalonians. Back to First Thessalonians. The next one we have is comfort the faint-hearted. Um, this comfort is, is also um, defined as encourage or console. Uh, you know, so I think we get this idea of comfort and what that means. You know, we're supposed to uh, step in and come alongside and, and uphold. Uh, well, I guess we're upholding the weak, but I think they're very similar in their uh, definitions. We're supposed to come in alongside and, and help the faint-hearted. And who are the faint-hearted? Um, that can be translated or defined as of small courage. Are feeble-minded, um, and we don't have to go very far. Right here in First Thessalonians chapter four, um, in verse eighteen, Paul says, "Therefore, comfort one another with these words." So, I think here we get, you know, when when someone is faint-hearted, what do we say? You know, I think sometimes I, I think, well, what in the world am I going to say to help this person along, get them? Um, Boosted back up. How am I going to help them uh, get going again? And I want to read what what uh, Paul is saying. Comfort one another with these words. What are these words? Um, Starting in verse chapter four and verse thirteen. But I want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from above, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. So what are we to comfort one another with? Uh, and if you read in chapter 5 and verse 11, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also were doing. And he, he continues to talk about the coming of the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, I'm not saying this is all encompassing, but I, I, I mean, it seems to be here for a reason, especially in the context we're in. Uh, when we do see our brothers faint-hearted, when they're down, uh, what are we supposed to comfort them with? That the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming back. You know, hang in there. Uh, God's going to Take us up in the clouds. We're going to be with Him. That's what He wants us to comfort one another with. 
for that goal that we're all trying to get to, that, that to be in heaven with the Lord, that's where we're going. Hang in there, brother. We're going to make it. You're going to make it. Um, even though you're down right now, even though you're faint-hearted, times are tough, hang in there. We're going to make it together. And I'm going to help you, and I want you to help me, and let's get there. And so, you know, that's what Paul's telling them here. He's talking about uh, the coming of Christ. This, this in verse 16, The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Evidently, the Thessalonians had some, had some doubts about those who had died and, and had fallen asleep, and Paul's encouraging them in that and telling them to comfort one another in that way. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. This is um, in discussing going to war. Um, and I, I ran across these verses and I thought uh, they would be good for us to at least think about it in, in reference to this. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 1, When you go out to battle against your enemies, of course he's talking to the Israelites here, and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who get, goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Um, <clears throat> this do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them, because of those that you're going to battle against. Uh, and when I think about that in reference to uh, you know, applying that to our lives today, we are fighting the spiritual host of wickedness, uh, I believe is Ephesians uh, chapter 5 or 6, you know, putting on that whole armor because we are fighting against the devil and, and his host. Uh, and so we are going to battle. And I think we can become faint-hearted in that battle uh, when we're out uh, talking with others about Jesus and trying to uh, defend His truth uh, and live in a holy way uh, and in a set-apart way from, from those around us. Live blamelessly uh, out uh, in our daily lives that it is a battle and it's something that we can um, let our heart grow faint over. Um, and um, God's telling them here, you know, the priest is going out to encourage them uh, and don't let your heart grow faint. And why? Verse 4, For the Lord your God is He who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. That's the same today. God's with us. And we just need to be reminded of that from time to time. That, you know, God is with you. Uh, and tell one another uh, that He's going to be with you and He's going against your enemies and He's going to save you if you do uh, what we're supposed to do. If you become encouraged uh, and, and you are of courage, uh, God will save you. Verse 8 is a, is a verse that I... Um, felt like it would be worth our, a little bit of our time today. Chapter 20, verse 8, The officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. And so, you know, when I think about uh, that faint-hearted uh, brother, you know, you can bring others down. You can bring others down with you. And we need to be mindful of that. And maybe that's one of the reasons Paul is telling us to... Uh, comfort the faint-hearted because, you know, we can't all fall, fall under that faint-hearted category. Uh, we'll all be swallowed up 
uh, is what it, you know if I'm trying to apply this to our to our lives today. And so, you know, even though we may be faint-hearted, we need to become encouraged uh, in that and and uh, get out of that that rut or however you want to think of it. We need to be uh, not of small courage, but of big courage. Be be courageous uh, in our in our service to God. Then we get to uphold the weak. That's our next, uh, I guess, person uh, or attitude talked about in 1 Thessalonians 5 is the weak. Uh, the word uphold can be is defined as hold firmly to or cleave to. Uh, and it is also translated, will be devoted holding fast. That idea of defending something, holding fast uh, something, uh, holding fast the Word of God, you know, that word is used a lot uh, in our Bibles. And so that, that idea of defending something. So we're supposed to uphold or defend, uh, hold firmly to, be devoted to the weak. And there's a lot said uh, about the weak. Uh, you know, if you think about Romans 14, Romans 15 talks about the weak. Uh, we'll read some out of 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul again talks about the weak. Uh, the weak are talked a lot about. And so... Uh, what what can be our tendency sometimes towards the weak? Uh, I think I think sometimes we can, you know, either kind of dismiss it as oh they'll get over it, you know they'll they'll come out of it or you know whatever it may be uh, they'll be okay or either it could be well, they just need to man up. I mean I don't know what the problem is uh, just get over it. Uh, put your big boy pants on. I mean you know you can have all kind of expressions in your mind towards those who are weak. Um, and all those, none of those are good. Uh, Paul is telling us to uphold those that are weak, to come alongside them, hold firmly to, hold them up, build them up. Uh, and if we think about Mr. Orr's phrase in his lesson, build them up on every leaning side. Build those people up. Uh, try to hold them up because the reality is, is we're all there at some point in time, and that's what we want. We want somebody to come along with us and encourage us. Uh, to do those things that are right. Let's go to Galatians 6. Galatians 6, in verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one, another burden, one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And here we, ha- you know, we have this idea of bearing uh, our uh, brethren's Burdens, And also in Romans 15 and in verse 1, we then who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. And so, you know, we're supposed to come along those that are weak and build them up, bear their burdens together with them uh, and, and not have them out there floundering on their own. You know, come alongside them. Recognize when, when our brethren uh, are weak and try to help. Hebrews 12 Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 12. Hebrews 12 and in verse 12. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So this, you know, I think again back to that phrase of build us up on every leaning side. This passage right here speaks very clearly, I think, to that that concept too. You know, we're supposed to strengthen the hands which hang down. And I think about the 
the guy's he's just wore out. You know, his his hands are hanging down. He's been doing something strenuous, and he's just he's just he can't lift his hands anymore. You know, he's just wore out. Um, and the feeble knees. You, you know, you, you think about maybe a runner or uh, here again some hard labor. You know, laying brick or something. Uh, you know, just the knees get tired. Uh, I know when Evan and I were building our carport, he bailed out on me early, uh, and I was hanging the uh, all the the what you screw the tin to, and I got I was up there and it, we'd worked all day. I, it was August, I think, or I, it was hot, muggy, and I my knees started shaking. You know, I just started, I just wore out. I just wore out. It was all day. I couldn't do anymore. And I, what did I need Evan to do? I needed him to uphold me. You know, he didn't abandon me, but I needed him to uphold me. That's what I needed. You know, I needed somebody there alongside me uh, to build me up, to encourage me, to keep going. Um, I had to get down. I was scared I was going to fall. You know, and, and, but that's, you know, that, that idea of your feeble knees. I mean, I'm sure everybody's been there. You just, they, you just get wore out. Uh, make straight paths for your feet. You know, I think about uh, the narrow gate. You know, us, us trying to walk that narrow way and us, you know, helping one another stay on that straight path and, and putting our feet forward, always marching forward um, and, and upholding, uh, upholding each other to that. And so that what is lame may not be dislocated. And so, uh, you know, you think about anything being dislocated, a collarbone or whatever. Uh, but, you know, wanting those things to be healed. And think about that in terms of our lesson today. You know, this, this uh, upholding one another and trying to strengthen one another because we're all going to be there at some point in time and we want our brethren to stand there beside us. 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19. I know we're shortly running out of time, so we're probably going to wind up skipping a little bit, but we're getting towards the end. Chapter 9 and verse 19. Um, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be, that I may be partaker of it with you. This idea of, to the weak I became as weak. Do any of us think that for one moment Paul gave up on any principle to do that? No. Uh, do we think he made excuses for the weak? I don't think so. Um, do we think that Paul in any, any way encouraged weakness? No, I don't think so. What did he want? He wanted no matter where he found you to see the strength that could be gained in Christ. I think that's what he, that's what he wanted. And that's what he was striving to do with everybody he met. If he met you and you were weak, if he met you and you were a Jew, if he met you and you were a Gentile, he didn't care. He wanted you to see the strength that you could have in Christ, that peace that could be had there, the, the ability to do all things through Christ to strengthen him. He wanted you to feel the same way. And I, you know, I, I don't look at this and think, oh boy, old Paul, he was, you know, uh, you know, he was encouraging that. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But he wanted to be all things to all men. Why? That he might save some. 
And so that's what we need to be. We need to be willing and able to recognize where each other are and strive to help one another any way we can to get to heaven and meet one another where we are and try to encourage one another to see the strength uh, that can be in Christ. Um, we're coming to a close, and I want to wrap it up here. Um, there's a couple more things I do want us to think about uh, very quickly before we, before we close out. Is These things out of 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14 are going to require judgment. They're going to require me not only trying to recognize where you are and you doing the same for me, but also figuring out what do I say? How do I get across that I want that person to see the strength that can be gained in Christ? No matter if he's unruly, you need to get back right because the you know heaven is to be had for those that are not unruly, for those that are ruly, and you know you're faint-hearted, man. It's you know it's going to be okay. Um, we're all trying to march for the same goal. That person that's weak, so it's going to require my judgment, and I'm not going to execute that right all the time. I'm not, and neither are you. But what we have to do is we have to act. And so there's responsibility that we need to all realize is there and that we need to be patient with one another in that and recognize and really try to figure out what is best here. What can I do that's going to help that person see the strength in Christ? And be patient. Be patient with one another. And Evan, will, I don't know exactly what he's got in store for us in the next hour, but, um, you know, we do need to be patient with one another in this process and realize that, you know, I, I do think it is possible um, for someone to love you and you not exactly feel it. I do think that's possible. That you can have the purest motives in the world. You could have mulled over it for weeks. How do I tell Andrew he's in sin? How do I approach him where it's going to be the best response possible? And you... Um, say it and I'm like well it didn't really sound like he cared a whole lot about me I believe that's possible and for you to have done that and so when I say we need to be patient with one another we need to realize hey we're all trying here you know and and that person really he's coming to me or she's coming to me trying to help me and guess what even if they're not you might need to hear it and I might need to hear it and so uh, but I'm going to trust this group we're all just trying to help one another and uh, let's be patient with one another in that process. And I want to um, look at 1 Corinthians 13 as we close. Just, just read this passage together and just be re-reminded of, um, of what love looks like. What is that uh, for one another? And how, how do we practice these things? Let's, let's just start in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, does not puffed up, does not behave rudely does not seek its own, 
is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. And one of the passages that sticks out to me, especially, all of them do, but especially in this lesson we have today, do, does not, that love does not rejoice in iniquity. So I'm not going to be rejoicing with you if there's iniquity involved between us or if there's iniquity in your life. I, I should not be rejoicing with you. There's something that needs to be taken care of. And, but I rejoice in truth. We rejoice with one another in those things that are right and good. We encourage one another in those things. Um, so I'd like to close, close there. Uh, with that passage, leave that passage as our closing uh, remark. And so, um, you know, if I think about the lesson and the things uh, that, that we want to get out of, uh, of a lesson like this, uh, it's really, let's all strive to have the proper love for one another that we should. And remember that that love is going to require a lot of us. It's going to require a lot of you and it's going to require a lot of me as we all strive to get to heaven. Let's build one another up. Uphold one another. Uh, encourage one another uh, when we are faint-hearted or weak. Let's be there for one another. And if you're not a part of God's family, you can't have that. You can't have that that aspect of of the of, of God's family that it is trying to to help you uh, get to heaven. Uh, and if you aren't a part of God's family, uh, we invite you now um, to become a member of His family. Uh, to, so that this group or another group of God's people can help you uh, get to heaven and encourage you uh, to do those things that are good and right. Um, if you would, if there's any need by anyone here, come forward as Evan leads us in 273.